and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Guide us, Father, and teach us and convict us of whatever it is that you want us to know and learn and change and surrender. Lord, give me the words and the wisdom to teach your people tonight. Father, let it be you and you alone to speak through me. Just use me as your vessel. We love and we trust you completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just heard a text. <laughs> you probably have a text there. Okay. Um, we are now in our new uh, series. It's going to be in the book of Galatians. Everybody say amen. 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 The Corinthians was too hard. And then there's two books. First and second Corinthians was too hard. But I'm glad we went through it and we're done with that. Um, before, uh, please turn your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians is in the New Testament. We have to do, we, we need to do an introduction to the book of Galatians before we get to it. Because there's a great need to understand why the epistle was again written, you know, to another church that, he, that Paul had planted. We need to see Paul's life first before he first met Jesus in the street of Damascus to truly understand and appreciate his letter to the Galatians. Yes, there was trouble in the church of Galatians. Again, just like with the Corinthian church that he, Paul, founded. The problem was and is similar that plagues many of our modern churches today. The problem is the problem of legalism. Legalism is as old as the first century church. So if you were thinking that, oh, you know how I wish I lived before in the first century church because they have less issues, read your Bible and you will take your words back because they're not any better, right? The problem of legalism is as old as the first century. This letter or epistle gives us a realistic picture of the challenges of transitioning from a religion based on rules to one based on a relationship. You agree? Imagine, if, you, if you're like me, I came from a, a religion where it tells me I have to have faith and works in order for me to maybe attain salvation, because they won't even tell me if it's even possible. I have to do enough good works. If I do enough good works, and I've confessed all my sins, maybe, just maybe, I'll make it to heaven. Right? And this is, this, this is that book right here that clears all of this for us. But you can understand that somebody from my faith before, from my former faith, to come into the, this relationship with the Lord, they just say, saved by grace. It must be really hard to move from that religion based on rules to a, to a faith based on a relationship. From a life based on merit to one birth by grace. That's what the Judaism, uh, they were faced with the Jews, and they had the Judaism is their faith, and they were all about works and merits. From a life empowered by human flesh to one experience in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our faith is different that way. It's not a by our human flesh. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in every believer. Paul's letter to the Galatians has three parts in which Paul addresses related sets of issues. First, he validates his own authority and shows that the apostles in Jerusalem approved his gospel. This was necessary because the Judaizers were saying that Paul had diluted or watered down the gospel by removing the religious requirements of Judaism in order to attract Gentile converts. Second, because the heresy, heresy was coming from the Jewish influencers, Paul explains how in appealing to the experience of Abraham, 
the father of the Jews of the Old Testament teaches the doctrine of justification of faith from the works of the law. We're going to tackle that chapters 3 and 4. And finally, Paul follows up by discussing the implications of sound doctrine. Body, you know what doctrine is, right? It's a body of statement of beliefs, of beliefs of our faith for everyday life. He describes freedom can be found in Christ and Christ alone. How life can be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And why circumcision of flesh means nothing compared to being a new creation. That's in chapters 5 and 6. Okay, are we excited? I think so, I think so. All right. All right, let's go. Let's see Paul's merit before Christ. This is our introduction. Philippians 3, 4 to 6. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. This is Paul speaking. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there was ever, if there, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience of, to the Jewish law. I was so zealous or zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. See, Paul just gave us through this. He recorded everything that he has done in his life. Prior to surrendering his life to Christ, he has shown us that, hey, if it were up to the law and merit and good works, in lineage, I have it. But he says that it's not about this. Do you see this? And the next one. Paul's zeal before Christ. This is in Acts 22, 3, 5, before he accepted Christ. This is because he was so zealous with his faith that he knew that the, he was looking at the Christians as somebody that was bothering people. And they were the, the, the false prophets there. Look at this. I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the city of feet of Gamel. Gamaliel. Taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death. The way, meaning the Christians, right? The way. That's what they used to call them. The way to the death. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the high priest bears me witness. And all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren. And went to Damascus to bring in chains. Even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. If you didn't know, you probably do. He approved the stoning up to death of Stephen. So he... He did all of this because he truly believed, he was sincerely, he sincerely believed that his faith was the right one. So this shows us, this one, this verse here and the verse earlier, that works cannot take us to heaven. Do we agree? That no matter how sincere we are, our sincerity will not take us to heaven too. Too, because we can be sincerely wrong. Do we agree? Amen. For those of us who took our children to vacation, right? You probably you wanted to go to Disneyland, right? And you, you said, if you were like me before, you don't need the map. Your, the map is right here, right? <laughs> this is the map. And you were sincerely wanting to go to Disneyland. But, you know, you're... Lost. But then you're still, you're going to say, but I sincerely want to make it to Disney. But you're headed to New York. <laughs> you think your sincerity is going to bring you over to L.A.? No. Right? No matter how sincere you are, if you are going the wrong direction, it will not bring you to your destination. And it's the same with our faith. Our sincerity, our sincerity our sincerity for, if it's the same with the faith, if you haven't surrendered your life with, to Christ. 
your sincerity will not bring you to God. It's only through Christ and Christ alone. And we're going to see that today. It is difficult to imagine anyone ever making a change in, in life as drastic and dramatic as Paul's life. Do you agree? For somebody who went through this, who did all these things, he was completely invested with his faith. He made many enemies, and then he meets Jesus, and then converts, and then completely and permanently change from Saul to Paul. Can you imagine that? Have you met anybody? This crazy. They said that Paul is close to being like Hitler to the Jews during Hitler's time. We need to know the, the intensity or the gravity of who he was before in order for us to truly appreciate his conversion. And for us to realize, we need to realize this too. Why was he the one chosen by God? Why was he the one chosen by God to deliver the gospel to the Gentile world? Because exactly with the two verses that we saw. Because he can tell you, I did everything that the law says to do. But yet, I say that's wrong. I was the best. He was the best student. He surpassed everybody. But still, he was wrong. As an ambitious, driven young Pharisee, Saul was, the fa was fast gaining uh, uh, prestige with Judaism. The synagogue leaders in his hometown of Tarsus must have seen something in the youth in him and convinced his parents that he should be schooled in Jerusalem. There, Saul studied under Gamaliel. I can't say it. Could have been just Jeff. The most highly regarded rabbi of that era. If you would read Acts 5.34, you would see it there in Acts 22.3. Where, in his own words, Paul said this. You will see it later in chapter 1, verse 14. In verse 14 he advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. Paul had more reason to be confident in his standing as a Jew than anyone in his circle. He was born a Jew, not a convert who was circumcised on the eighth day, right? We saw that at Philippians. According to the law, he was, the he was of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, his great, 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 I think, great, great grandfather is King Saul. That's why he got the name Saul. That's just uh, trivia. <laughs> he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, the best of all Jews. Regarding to the obedience of the law, he was the Pharisee of the strictest order, and who could claim that he has obeyed everything with the title of moral and ceremonial law? He did everything. No one would argue with him regarding this. But yet he said that's not the way. But he's, yet he still gave it up because he met Jesus. Amen? For most of us, we say we accepted Jesus. We say we love Jesus. We wear the shirt. We have the plate numbers. We all have it. We have the stickers. We have the phone things. Everything. Your, your savers on your uh, screensaver on your phone is about Jesus. But you still have to make a turn in your life. We still have to make a turn in our life. Why is it that way? Do we really need to be struck by that bright light and be blind for three days in order for us to completely make a turn and dedicate and give our life for Christ a hundred percent of the time, not just when we feel like it. Sometimes maybe that'll be a good idea. Right? Don't you agree? I think for me too. You know, but what I've learned is God will not do that for us now. Because he has given us the word. He has given us the Bible. His inspired word. The truth about him, his ways, his will, everything that he wants from us. It's right here. He has given it. These guys didn't have it. They only had the Old Testament. We have the old and the new. But we don't take advantage of it. We have too many shows to watch at Netflix. Right? 
our movie binge is more important than us learning our faith. I know I should stick with my, my, my notes because this is a long evening. <laughs> when he was 40, Saul was 40, when he decided that he would not only teach his rigid brand of Judaism, but would persecute and even kill people who believed in the heretical, non-conforming rabbi from Nazareth, which is Jesus, with what he regarded as a righteous fury. Saul tried to destroy the troubling group like a firefighter, like what, what they're going through with the, the fire now, attacking a small blaze of fire in the forest. That's how he saw himself. But as Saul's zeal reached its peak, his self-made religious world came crashing down. He met the true and living Jesus. And absolutely nothing would ever be the same for him again. If you know your Bible, I'm not telling you anything new. But the thing is, some, some of us, we know our Bible, that's why we don't want to obey God. We're thinking, well, you know, if you're going to be obedient, man, you're going to go through what Paul did. And I don't want to do that. I think I had that, that mindset. You know, I'm like, look at all the guys that followed God. You know, Abraham, Job. You know, they went through trouble. So I'm like, never mind. If that's what it's going to take me when I follow God, then maybe not. But boy, was I wrong. Because I still got in trouble. I still suffered. And who did I run to? God. For most of us, we think obedience to God is a way to suffer, and we don't want to suffer. Actually, you're probably right. Obedience to God is this. Christianity, we've said this before, right? Christianity is denying ourselves, correct? We can no longer do what we want to do even if it's right. I played basketball today in a league. I came out of retirement. <laughs> Boy, am I paying for it right now. I'm hurting everywhere. <laughs> but my biggest prayer was not about making basket. My biggest prayer is like, I do not fall. Through enough first play, I elbowed somebody. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I think I did. I really did. It was an accident. So, but anyway, the, the focus is to turn your life. When you are a believer of God, the first thing he asks from us is our right to ourselves. And that's the first thing that we don't want to obey. Correct? It is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But is God worth it? Some of you still need to answer yes to that. Correct? If it's okay to say the truth here, I'll just keep saying it, okay? I'm not targeting anybody. But that's just the truth. Most of us, we still need to say yes to that. That God, is God worth it? Is God worth our obedience? Is God worth our lives to turn around? Is He worth, is he worth it? That we just not do what we want to do, especially if people will stumble because of what we like doing. In this letter, we will see Paul's same intensity, only in reverse, in the book of Galatians. It is now for Christ. After his conversion, Paul was just as committed to the beauty and purity of Christianity as he has been to the strict legalism of his former faith, which is Judaism. Now he would battle heart and soul against anyone that will try to dilute and compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we're going to see in this book. There are many times that he had to defend the gospel. During the early expansion of Christianity, the first Christians were almost all Jews. Consequently, many tended to think that Christianity simply added, quote-unquote, Jesus to that faith, to Judaism, while retaining all the law's requirements. Although Paul made it clear that Jewish heritage might still be valued, he was zealous or zealous to declare that righteousness is obtained through faith 
in Jesus Christ and not self-effort. Believe it or not, that's just introductory. Am I on 30 minutes now? Paul, Paul knew firsthand how difficult this transition could be. How radical it was to replace works and faith with faith in Jesus. Some of you still need to surrender to that truth. Some of you still need to accept the gift that has been given to us. That when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, it is finished. Some of you still need to give that up. Because you think you can earn your salvation. I tell you, you're wrong. And Paul will tell you that you don't have to earn it. Because Christ already paid for it. You just need to accept the gift of salvation. You just need to believe in the gospel. To rely on grace instead of merit, Scripture records that after his first missionary journey, the issue of Jewish influences on Gentile converts led to the first church conference in Jerusalem, which sorted out exactly what was and was not required as the spread of the faith produced a great amount of Gentile churches or congregations. That's in Acts 15. Possibly between his missionary trip to Galatia and the Jerusalem conference, Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians confronting this thorny problem. What's the thorny problem? Legalism. In some of the churches he had founded with Barnabas on, this first, on his, their first missionary journey. How fitting that God called the Jew of the Jews not Joe of the Joes, Jew of the Jews to draw a line in the sand, and he says, step over it, and you'll get it. He chose, God chose Paul, the most legalistic of all, <clears throat> to be the one to deliver the gospel message to the world, and to refuse to allow anyone to follow except those who are willing to live by faith in Christ alone. That's what we're going to be studying for the next few weeks. Let's begin. <laughs> what a word. What a choice of words. I thought we already started. Galatians 1.1.2. In your Bibles, whatever version you have there, let me start reading this. This, is, this, is, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. First of all, we want to say apostolos. Apostolos is the Greek word for apostle. It means a delegate, especially uh, or an ambassador of the gospel. Uh, officially a commissioner of Christ, a messenger, that he, he that is sent is what an apostle means. Paul here discloses to all the believers in Galatians that it was no man's idea, including his, of his calling to be an apostle of Christ. But it was Jesus Christ who called him. Do you know the Intent, the implications of that. If anybody else will tell you Christianity is not the way, that Jesus is not the way, you should just be an atheist. Did they, did, who, who told them that? Who told them that? Paul lived his life and died for the message, for the gospel. If this were not true, you think he would have done that? He was against Christianity. But he lived it, he fought for it, he died for it. Because Jesus Christ told him so. He met Jesus. It's the truth. We're so afraid now to say that our faith is the right one. Because we don't want to offend people. Right? We're a bunch of chicken, not chicken, turkeys. <laughs> turkeys are bigger. <laughs> a bunch of turkey believers now we don't want to tell them the truth because we don't want to offend them but 
we believe, so we sincerely all believe, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But we let our loved ones, the people that we care about, our friends, our co-workers, that God brings into our lives, we don't share the gospel to them because we don't want to offend them. We're so worried more about our relationship with them than their relationship with the Lord and their eternal destination. Where was I? <laughs> he also shares that not only is he the one making these claims, but by him mentioning that all the brothers, which, you know, with my reading, it says perhaps Barnabas and the prophets and the teachers that were with him in Antioch, which is in Acts 13.1. They were all in agreement with what he's saying here. Because he write, he, he, the letter of Galatians to tackle the, the legalism. There's no, more, there's no more need to add anything to the faith. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, that's it. You are good. You're going to heaven. <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure if I heard a phone. So I'm like, I have to wait. Did I just hear a phone? <laughs> okay, it wasn't. All the brothers, Barnabas, and sisters join me is his way of telling the believers in Galatia that they too are approving this truth. It was not his or any human authority or whatsoever or whomsoever, but the resurrected Christ calling that he has responded and lived his life for. He responded to the calling that was given to him by Jesus Christ. No other human authority, no other human authority did he get got this apostleship. It was by Jesus this letter is what the reformers read, studied, and stood by. That's why there's been a reformation. There was a reformation, October 31, I forgot the year. It was by grace and by grace alone, through Christ and Christ alone, no other thing. There's no need for a pope or a priest. There's no need for good works. Because good works is the result of our love relationship with Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm getting in trouble here. Brother Richard, you need to be praying for me. <laughs> the resurrection. This is when he was appointed by Jesus. Acts 9.15 But the Lord said to him, Go, he was talking to Ananias, to go to Paul, because Paul was blinded for three days. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. What a privilege, isn't it? What a privilege for Paul to be the chosen vessel to deliver the gospel message to the Gentile world. It was unheard of until Paul got the assignment. And you know what? Every believer, if you are a believer, if you have Jesus, if you say you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you are one of his chosen vessels to deliver God's message to the dying world. Unless you don't know that the world is dying, unless you think your faith is similar to theirs, unless you think, which is sad, especially if you're going to this church and that just, that just goes to show you're not listening or we're not doing a good job in explaining. But if, it's sad if you think, oh, my faith's the same as theirs. So long as you have faith in God, so long as you're a good person, no, we haven't made it clear that it's through Christ and Christ alone, by grace and by grace alone. Next point. Paul's call to apostleship. We're going to jump many verses because in these verses, 11 to 17, still speaks, Paul still speaks of his calling, his apostleship, because it was questioned. The, the Judaizers that became Christians, the false teachers that are in Galatian, uh, in the Galatian church, was telling the people there, again, just like in Corinth, they were discrediting Paul. He's really not an apostle. So he really doesn't know what he's talking about. So they've, they've added circumcision 
to be part of their faith, in order to complete their salvation. But again, we're going to talk about here, he discusses his apostleship. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught by it. Nor, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have been heard, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. He's not exaggerating here. So they drag people, they stone people, they kill people that were part of the way and tried to destroy it. See, up to now, see, before they tried to destroy it, up to now, the, the Christian church, Christian faith, is still tr they still try. They're trying to destroy it up to now. One of the most persecuted uh, uh, Christians uh, was in China before. To, but to a point where the believers will, will gather uh, on, in caves, in secret. There was, there's a video in, in YouTube, you can find it, to where people were crying as they received their first copy of their own Bible. They're crying. They're hugging it. They're kissing it. And you barely pick up yours, right? <laughs> you have one in every corner. You have one in your car for protection so I don't get into an accident. <laughs> you have one at your work or your school desk for help just in case you need help. You have one in your bedroom by the headboard so that you don't get any nightmares. <laughs> you have one by the kitchen to bless the food all the time. And then one in the pantry so there's always food there. <laughs> you use it as if it's a magic book. Right? You've reduced it to that. You've reduced it to a superstition that doesn't serve its purpose. This is the inspired word of the living God. But yet you take it for granted. We take it for granted. Where was I? And I advanced Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, be, being more exceedingly zealous or zealous for the traditions of the fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So many things to tackle there. Let's start with the first one. Unlike their representatives, verses 11 and 12. Let's go back there. Verses 11 and 12. Unlike the representatives of the Jewish religious establishment, Paul preached a message that was not an invention of man, a tradition received from man, or an instruction taught by man. It was the gospel of God as revealed to Paul through Jesus Christ. Paul defended his apostleship not out of personal pride, but from a deep concern for the gospel. Because if they discredit him, they discredit the gospel that he preached. That's why it's so important that he kept reaffirming and, and to communicate that he is an apostle of God. That it came from Jesus. Verses 13 to 17. Prior to meeting the Lord on the Damascus road, Paul believed that killing Christians and destroying the church was a, noble, was a noble service to God. You can tackle that and read it at Acts 8, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 22, and chapter 26. Paul stresses his former passion for persecution to show that his conversion was not just a change of mood or preference but a radical change of heart created by the radical change, radical message of the gospel. The emphasis on the church of God highlights the enormity of his sin. If you will look at Paul's life, that he, when he accepted Christ as his Lord, when he finally 
met Jesus and Jesus taught him about everything that he needed to know, he changed, didn't he? He changed for the better. He changed and he gave his life for the Lord. In verse 14, Paul emphasizes what a devout Jew he was in practice as well as in ancestry. So his conversion to Christianity would carry more weight with the Jewish Christians in Galatia. He was saying this so that the Jewish Christians in Galatia would understand too that he is, if, if it were about ancestry, he would have been saved already. He would have been good, but he's not. Verse 15 to 16, notice the change of his tone in 15 and 16 here. Notice the change of his tone. Although the previous verses focused on, focus on Paul's work, these focus focuses now on God's work. The story of Paul's conversion is so important that it was recorded five times in the New Testament. If it's not important, it would have just been once, right? But they had to record it five times. It's in the book of it's in Acts 9, 22 to 20 and, and 26 in Philipp, in Philippians 3 and it's, it was in it's also in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 16 in verse 16 here, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul received a message he preached to the Galatians from the Lord, not from other people. See, that alone should, if, if you're a skeptic and you're still trying to see if this is real, Paul is, is speaking not of his own opinion, but what he was told by Jesus Christ. Right? To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confirm with the flesh and blood. He did not go to Peter. Or he did not learn what he, he knew about Jesus from them. He went away. He went away for three years. He was in Arabia. You'll see it in the next verse. Paul received the message he preached to the Galatians from the Lord, not from other people. His calling to preach among the Gentiles does not mean that this is the message was not also meant for Jews. He viewed the two audiences, Jews and Gentiles, as connected and tangled together. That's the same in Romans 11, 11 to 32. I figured I'll just tell you guys the verse and not have another slide or else we'll be here for two hours. Verse 17 and 19, by emphasizing that he did not immediately sit under, apostle, under the apostles or with the apostles in Jerusalem after his conversion, but spent only 15 days with them, with Peter and James, long after his conversion. You know, he, he just spent that because he didn't want to ask them. You know, I'm thinking, I was thinking this, why did he not, you know, talk to Peter and them about what happened to him. Because he was sure. He didn't have to ask Peter, hey, you think I was just hallucinating, man? You think I was just hungry that day? Because it was a pretty long trip. Have you met, did you meet Jesus that way? I mean, did, has he shown himself to you in a, a bright light too? No, he didn't need their approval, approval or their, their confirmation. He knew he knew he met Jesus. He knew Jesus spoke to him. He knew what happened. Believers that are sitting here. Believers, I said, okay? Believers that are sitting here. How, do you know what happened to you when you accepted Christ as your Lord? Yeah? Okay, three people. I saw three people, yeah. <laughs> do you know that the Holy Spirit is now residing in you? Do you know that you accepted the gift of salvation, that you are now for eternity is, are saved from the fires of hell, from the consequences of your sin? Do you know that? And do you know that, that shouldn't that, shouldn't that turn your life around for the better? Do you know that? Do you know that you should be sharing that gospel too? Because the person that's in front of you, that God brings to you every day at work, that person that's irritating you, always saying hi to you, you're like, just leave me alone. Is that person, that person needs Jesus? Do you know that you're the one that's assigned by God? 
to somehow share the gospel? Because without that, do you know that they're going to go to hell? Or the problem is, is that where you want them to go? I guess. That's why you're not sharing. Alright, there's so much that happened. By emphasizing, Paul again defends the divine origin of his message, which is through Jesus Christ. In fact, he spent three years in other regions before visiting Jerusalem. You'll see that in Acts 9.26. In verse 17, Paul spent his time in Arabia. It's not known, it's not known for certain, but Paul then likely proclaimed the gospel there as he had in Damascus. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 11, 32 to 33. Let's continue with our review, or not review, our study. Galatians 1, 18 to 20. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him for 15 days. See, he went away for three years was taught by Jesus. Jesus revealed a lot of things to him for three years on his own with Jesus in Arabia. And then he only spent two weeks with Peter. Because why? There's work to do. Some of us, we enjoy the fellowship way too much that we don't do anything anymore. We love the fellowship. I love the fellowship. I love the fellowship. Don't get me wrong. Of the fellowship from from one o'clock in the morning till the next one o'clock the next morning. But the thing is, there's work to do. There's work to do apart from us. There's work to do. Paul knew that, so he only spent two weeks with them. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. Paul says this. Many of us, we still don't know if, if our faith is real. We're just being dragged there by our parents, by our spouse. It's an incentive because we want something. <laughs> right? We still don't know if our faith that we hold, that we claim with Jesus Christ, is the real thing. Why? Why do I say that? Because of our lives. If you're living a life that's not victorious, that alone is, that right there is your answer. Maybe you truly don't know what you have. If your life is still more about making money and getting rich and not about glorifying God with your life, then you still haven't really understood the faith that you hold, the gravity of it. People are dying every day without the Lord. And some of those people are the ones that are in front of us. For some, right? For some odd reason, you're the one who's chosen. Because if you're going to tell me, oh, I don't know why me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know why me. But that's the perfect thing. God designed it that way. There's no accidents. You are the one that was chosen to be in front of that person who still needs to surrender their life to Christ. But the problem is, is your life reflecting the message that you're going to be saying. The hard part is, most of the time, it's not. Our lives, our lives are contradictory to the faith that we claim. You know, it's a rescue plan. It was God's rescue plan. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. It was a rescue plan because we're in trouble. Right? It's a rescue plan. May God the Father, I'm going back to verse 3 now, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. If you have God's grace, you have peace. This is Paul's typical opening of his letter. But then, whenever there is grace, there should be peace. Why? Because you're saved. You're saved. You don't have to to suffer for eternity, for the consequences of your sin. That should give you peace right there. But some of you are thinking, no, a million dollars would give me peace. Joe, you don't know. A million dollars is better than peace right now. 
hitting the lottery. Even $20,000, Joe, would give me peace right now. Hitting the progressive for $8,000 would give me peace right now. And some of us, we think it's money that gives us peace. Right? Some, some of us, it's, it's the financial stability is what gives us peace. May I tell you, may I share with you, or you know, I don't have to share with you it, uh, the details, but we all probably know of people who have a lot of money but don't have peace. Do we agree? How? It's either they're sick, their family situation is not in, in good shape, right? Or the amount of money is not enough. Right? Again, I said this before, I'll say it again. The notorious B.I.G. said, more money, more problems. If you don't know that, try it. More money you have, the more problems you're going to get. Right? So you see here, and he says here, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned. It was not an accident. That's why we can't sing that song, Reckless. So we can't sing that reckless. However, the tune is so nice. We can't because God's love is not reckless. It was planned from the very beginning. It was planned in order to rescue us. Rescue us. Us. Believers. To rescue us from the evil world in which we live. Okay, I promised I said I was going to stick with my nose. Grace comes first, and after that, peace follows. The present evil world we live in. The Galatians, like us, lived in, an, in a fallen world. Question is, do you believe that the world is evil? No, huh? <laughs> or, let me continue with my notes then. Or are you with the world and against the church? The saddest thing is a lot of Christians are siding more with the world than with the church. Because yes, there's a lot of church that, you know, there's a lot of imperfections in the church. But the saddest thing is us not being united and us siding with the world about certain things. Let's say abortion. Right? Abortion's clear. Joe, it's clear. I'm, I'm not. I'm pro-life. Okay, good. Does that reflect in your ballots? Because you're responsible, right? You're responsible. You have to be a responsible citizen. You have to vote. That's our responsibility. Now, I'm not going to endorse anybody here, but I'm saying if that is critical for you, does it reflect in your vote for the, your official? Right? So we have, to, we have to review this. We have to look at our lives and say, hey, who am I siding with? Is the world evil? The world is evil. And, and God sent His Son to rescue us from this evil world. If, the, if you find yourself agreeing more with the world and against what the Word of God says and against the church of God, then that's your answer. Your answer is that you side more with the world because the world's not evil. If the world is evil, if you agree with what the Bible says that the world is evil, then you have to make take action. You have to take God's action. What's God's action? Is to share the gospel. People are in trouble. The only way that people can get out of their sinful ways is with Jesus Christ. Do we agree? The only way that you've turned from your sinful life is because of Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the only way. The only way now that you have something that's called self-control is because of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's controlling you. So why not share that? Why not live like that? If you're not convinced that the word is evil, I have another one here. Romans 1, 28-32. Furthermore, just as they did not think worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depra depraved mind, so that they do not do what, <laughs> so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. 
They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. See, even that right there is considered as evil by the, whole, by, by the Holy Bible, by our Lord. So if you are disobeying your parents, uh, to the, children, the, the teenagers that are here, <laughs> or if you're not a teenager anymore, but you still have your parents, and you're disobeying <laughs> right there, they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's when you side with the world. You approve. You side with the world. You approve of what the world does. And you're okay with it. Because it's fun, right? Coming to church is boring on Sundays. Just look at the Super Bowl statistics. Super Bowl attendance, which is once a year, versus Sunday. Look at the imbalance of that number. A million dollars, I think, the last time I checked, a million dollars for a certain time for a commercial. A minute and 30 seconds? 30 seconds. A million dollars for a 30-second spot on the Super Bowl. Why? Because there's a lot of eyeballs looking at that. There's a lot of people and a lot of chicken wings going down during that night. You know, sadly, there's a lot of churches that cancel their service. They cancel their service because it's Super Bowl evening. How I wish our founding pastor did the same thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So I could follow in suit, right? No, I miss so many Super Bowls ever since I started in this church. At least live, we record it. <laughs> because the world is evil. Do you agree that the world is evil? So if you approve of those who practice them, then you are siding with the world. God's rescue plan. Colossians 1.13 For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here. We're going to go back to Galatians 1.6-7 I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Church, if you don't know the truth about the gospel, you can easily be trapped by the world. Because the world, you know, Satan's very clever. Do we agree? Satan's very clever. He knows that if you can't beat him, join him. This is, I think he said that. I think he was the one who wrote that. So what he did is he twisted the truth about the gospel. Because one wrong thing makes the entire thing incorrect. The message that the opponents of Paul was giving is not only a variation of the true gospel, but Together, all together, it was a different gospel. A different gospel is no gospel at all. Do we agree? Guys, a different gospel is a totally different gospel. It's not, you can't even put gospel in it anymore. I hope that you know this. Don't rely on the name behind the coat. Even if it's such a big Christian believer, a leader that is prominent, you know, you can't just rest on, on that person. You have to see if what they're saying is true based on the Word of God. That's where people get in trouble. Why? Because we don't read the Word of God. 
You finished five seasons of a show, but you haven't had the time to finish the faith, your book. Do you believe in the Bible? Raise your hand. Do you believe in the Bible? Raise it. If you don't believe it, then don't put it up. If you believe in the Bible, keep it up, please. This is just to keep you awake too, get you, some of you awake or some, the sleeping ones. Are, then, all right. So if you believe in the Bible, your, your hands are raised, right? Have you read it from cover to cover? Praise God. If your answer is yes, then praise God. The chances of you being swayed by the world is very minimal. To a point, I don't think you will be. If you're truly, truly being intimate with the Lord. But if you won't take the time, and you just hear somebody fancy, somebody looking good with a nice suit, he can speak well, he presents something good, and he says everything that you like, you're like, oh my gosh, he says I'm going to get rich. I like this guy. I name it, I claim it, I get rich. Oh my goodness. How come Joe's not talking about this? <laughs> the more we study the word, the less chances we get trapped and swayed by the trap, by the dissension and the lies of the enemy. Their version, Paul's opponents, was based in works of the law. And it required Gentile believers to abide by old covenant standards and ceremonies. You'll see that in Acts 15.1 and Philippians 3.1-6. A gospel, if I could please have all your attention. If you haven't heard me or if you fell asleep the, the first five minutes, please hear this one. A gospel that mixes God's grace and human effort is a mix of two opposite things. To twist or pervert the truth means to literally turn it from one direction to another or to turn it into something else. Read 2 Corinthians 11.4. Philippians 3.1-4. This is Paul speaking, that there is no confidence in the flesh. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's, it is a safeguard for you. You see, God's word is a safeguard for us. Watch out for those dogs. See, he's telling us to watch out for them. Because they're out there. Those evildoers. Those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by His Spirit. Who boast in Christ Jesus. And who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Again, Paul's saying it's, there's no confidence in the flesh. It's not what you do that will save you. It's who you believe. You know, when you're applying for a job and they say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right? right? The chances are, if you know the CEO, or if your CEO is your dad, <laughs> guess what? You're getting the job. <laughs> right? It's who you know. It's the same thing in our faith. If you surrender your life to Christ, if you believe in the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried according to the scriptures, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, you're saved. If you need to learn the gospel, that's it. That's the gospel right there. Share it. Galatians 1.8.9. I think we're almost done. <laughs> That's if I stick with my notes and we'll be done, okay? Let God's curse fall on anyone. This is Paul. Paul is upset. Paul is upset and let's hear it. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us. He's saying including us. He's including his team. He's including himself or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news or gospel that the one who preach than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news or any other gospel than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. 
accursed translates the Greek word anathema, meaning to be set aside for God to for God to destruct for meaning to be set aside to God for destruction. When false teachers or prophets tamper with eternal destiny of a soul by preaching a false gospel, they fall under God's judgment. 1 Corinthians 16.22, it reads, If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Isn't it? Is that idea? That's very clear. So now, if you're the one who's being deceived, if you're the one who's being deceived, then that's your fault. Because if you call yourself a believer and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have to read your word and you study because you can't pull anything. You can't magically appear in your mind if you didn't at least read your word and study, you did not sit in a Bible study. You could be physically here, but you're not listening, right? It's your fault. It's your own fault. Because you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to guide you and tell you, that's not right. What you just heard is not right. Go read this, right? And then if you won't accept that there's false prophets there, then that's your fault too. Because then you're telling me that Paul's wrong for warning us to watch out for them. Because they're going to be out there. They're already out there. You need to be able to identify who they are by what they're saying. Alright. Somebody's praying, Lord, let him finish now, Lord. Let him finish now. Gutom na ako, Lord. A changed life by the gospel honors God. Galatians 1, 21-24. After that visit, I went north, Paul speaking, into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still, churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. And they knew was that, all they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Paul's zeal before Christ, before Christ in persecuting Christians was so well known that many had a difficult time trusting the genuineness of his conversion. Their minds were changed by the grace of God displayed in Paul's life. Believer, if you have been desperately sharing the gospel to your co-workers, to your family, to your friends, to your best friend, but your life hasn't changed at all, they will have a hard time believing in your Jesus. Do we agree? Yes. Amen. It's simple. Right? If Christ is in us, we're no longer the same person. Right? The struggle's there because we're still alive. This is a sinful body. The struggle's still there. But moment by moment, depending on God, trusting in His power will help us live a victorious life. The final proof of the divine origin of His message, Paul's message, was the change it made in His own life. Believer, make no mistake about it. God wants you to change. We are saved by grace and by grace alone, through Christ and through Christ alone. But our lives, because this is a living sacrifice. The reason why we're still alive is because we need to sacrifice our lives for Him. We need to live for Him. How nice it would have been when I accepted Christ years ago and God took me. I would have been good. Then I would have not done all those stupid things that I did after I accepted Christ. I would have not stumbled many people with my permissive ways. All my friends that I played basketball with today, they all knew I'm a pastor. 
And they were making fun of me because I can't do the same things anymore because they saw an elbow go to my head and they were just laughing. They were like, oh, you're going to burn in hell, Pastor, if you throw your elbow. <laughs> I knew they were watching me. And I was like, Lord, what did I put myself into? Our lives need to reflect the message that we proclaim. Amen? The work of the gospel and the lives of the believers should cause onlookers, the world, it should cause them to glorify God and be motivated to come to Christ. Amen? Amen. In 1 Peter 2, 11, 12, it reads, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your message tonight. We thank You for the truth, Lord God, that You revealed in Paul, through Paul, Lord God. I thank You for Paul's obedience, Lord God. That he gave his life, he lived his life down to the last drop, Lord, of his blood to spread the gospel to the Gentile world and to, the, to those who were willing to listen. Thank you for keeping them and writing them in this Bible, Lord God, that you have blessed us with. I pray, Father, that you will give us the craving, the wanting to learn more about you. I pray for all your believers here tonight that they will finally want to live for you, Father God. If they are living for you right now, Lord, and they have been living for you, I pray for more strength for them to continue to encourage them and, Father, empower them, Father God, to glorify you with their lives. And for those, Lord God, that yet still have to start, Father, I pray that this will be the evening that they will finally yield to you and live, leave everything behind, everything that is hindering them from moving forward with you, to let go of the baggage, let go of the failures, Lord God, and to live for you now and forevermore. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.